Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. Today, I am chatting with one of our amazing fortune coaches, Brianne Spirsch. Brianne is an executive coach on the dental side, as well as the co-director of Veterinary Mastery. Brianne comes to Fortune with a ton of business and coaching experience and is passionate about the subject of leadership, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hailing from Reno, Nevada, Brianne is one of the most competitive and goal-oriented people that I know. She not only has a full coaching business, a full personal life, she's also a professional mountain biker and always focusing on self-improvement. I asked Bree to join me on the podcast to share some of her wisdom. And now enjoy my conversation with Brianne. Welcome, Brianne, to the podcast. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's so great to have you. And one of the things I love about you, besides being such an amazing human being, as I mentioned in the intro, you are a executive coach with Fortune Management, as well as uh, the co-director and executive coach with Veterinary Mastery. You wear lots of hats in our company. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yes. And you came from the veterinary medicine side. And I know you're just passionate about leadership, which is what we're going to talk about today. No matter what type of doctor, no matter if you have humans as patients or or canines and doggies and cats and whatever else, leadership is important, right? Yes, it is. So Brianne, before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you came to Fortune Management? Yeah, so I accidentally stumbled upon Fortune. I was in marketing for the last 20 years of my life, and I was at a firm where I was doing the same things and really wanted to grow. And I I knew I was going to have to make a pretty significant change in my life. And talking to a friend who is a veterinarian, she asked me to come and run her practice. And she knew that I had all of the management skills, the leadership skills to really run this practice successfully. And with my marketing background, I know a lot about all of the marketing business engines that we have. So I decided to jump ship and went over there. And when I was at this animal hospital, we had a coach with veterinary mastery, Laura Boone. And I absolutely loved what she was doing in our practice. And I really got to implement the systems and tools that she provided us. And one of my goals was to help get this team to bonus every single month. And I was able to do that. So when I knew that I was moving states, another big change in in my life, I reached out to Laura to see if she had any practices that I could work in in the Reno area. And she said, absolutely not you would be an excellent coach. Come do what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. So I said, okay, tell me more. And we had a few conversations and I jumped in fully and it has been the most rewarding work I've ever done. Not only am I the co-director on the vet division, I also coach on the fortune management side. So with dental teams and it is hard work and very purposeful work. And what's great about where I came from is that I have the experience being a client of fortune and veterinary mastery. So I know 
what work it takes and the changes that have to be made to make practices successful. And that was ultimately one of the biggest, best changes I made in my career. Well, we owe a lot to our friend, Laura Boone, who is the director of hygiene mastery. And of course has been a fortune coach for years and years, well over 20 years. She's been in the dental industry forever. And of course is passionate about veterinary medicine as well. So that is a great insight into your life and why I wanted to bring you on the podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are just one of our most energetic and fun and creative coaches. So I really wanted to have you on the podcast. And today we're going to talk about leadership. And leadership is one of these broad terms that, you know, there's a huge section in the bookstore on leadership. And I know you've been a student of leadership. And so I wanted to pick your brain on some of the areas that we can really focus on as leaders in our dental practice or veterinary practice or whatever kind of practice you have. So Brianne, tell us a little bit about why you think leadership is important in any kind of practice. Yeah. So with good leadership, you can create a vision and motivate the people around you to make it a reality. You as a great leader can inspire everyone in your organization to achieve their very best. And so with leadership, you know, this forms our values, our visions, and our motivation for our team members. It can impact our ability to change and adapt what we're doing, who we're being in the practice. And it really determines the culture, which ultimately affects the profitability and the success of a business. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when we have great leaders, the money will follow if we're doing great work, right? So really what you're saying is it starts with the vision. So talk to us a little bit about how you help your clients craft a great vision. Absolutely. So when we first start working with our teams, we get together and we talk about what is what is your ideal practice? Who do you stand for? Who do you want to work with? What type of team members are we? What are we doing out in the community? With our vision, this is really going to give us the foundation for our culture. And when I know that word culture is kind of thrown out there a lot. um, And sometimes people like to think that that's, oh, we get pods to sleep in at lunch, or we get these benefits and this. And really, we're looking for the people and the values that the team members have. Are they all aligned with what we want in our vision? Yes, absolutely. So core values is a huge part of of creating that great culture. What are some examples of, and I love the questions that you asked, by the way, when you're helping a practice craft their vision, obviously with their ideal practice, their ideal patient, and you know what they want everything to look like. What are some of the core values that seem to come up consistently with practices when they're creating their culture? You know, it's funny that you're asking me this because I am looking to my left and I have a little board. We just did a camp culture here in Reno two weeks ago, and we have a little person and we drew this person and put these words around them. And so this is something, most of these words are very consistent in all my practice that I work in. Uh, We have coachable, growth-minded, adaptable, kind patient, empathetic, um, compassionate problem solvers and accountability. I don't know if I said accountability, that one's huge. Um, Mm -hmm. team members want that accountability. 
Absolutely. Well, they don't always want to be held accountable, but they certainly want yes. accountability amongst the team, right? It's so funny. I hear that from from practices that you know we start to work with. Oh, nobody's held accountable. And so it kind of goes both ways. The doctor needs to hold the team accountable. And we also know that the team members can hold, hold each other accountable as well. Well, I love, let's talk about um, being coachable. I just wrote down a couple of the core values that you came up with. Yeah. What does being coachable mean? Coachable means that you are open to hearing things that you're maybe not doing right, or maybe you're going into your automatics, meaning you're doing something that you've always done the same way forever. And so someone that's coachable is able to have a conversation with their leader, whether that is the doctor owner, whether that is team members, you know, coachable doesn't matter what what level of hierarchy they are, it's saying, okay, you're right. I did, I did make that mistake or I am doing that this way. How can I do this better? Are they open to change? So when you're saying coachable, are they adaptable? Can they make decisions that are not necessarily what they were, they were going to do? Can they change that? Can they change their, their mindset? And can Mm -hmm. they take action towards that? So it's okay if you're being coached and, you know, your, your team's asking you to do something and you're doing it great. You're doing it great. And then we kind of go back to our automatics. That's okay. As long as we can pivot back to who we need to be to get the work done that needs to happen. That's right. I also love the idea of when you're really coachable, you're open to hearing about your blind spots. I think one of the areas I always talked about with my clients is, and anybody who's interested in fortune is what coaching does is help you see your blind spots. Cause we all have them right. And our blind spots might be inhibiting us from reaching our goals or getting what we want or doing the things we want to do or being as successful as we want to be. So, but I think what you're saying though, is so important about being open to it and knowing that growing is a part of life, right? And you also said growth mindset. And of course, I love Carol DeWick and that book mindset is so powerful. Um, I think she's a professor at Stanford University, but having a growth mindset, talk to us a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. So for me, um, it's being able to not be complacent, be okay with where we're at. And I recognize being an athlete, this is something that's easy for me to understand. And so I have to be able to help my teams that maybe don't have the background that I do. When I have a goal, I know that I have to put in my work. So I ha- I find my, my goal. Where is that? What do I have to do to get there? Who do I have to be to get there? Generally means taking baby steps, <laughs> steady pace wins the race. So small, consistent wins to get to the big picture, to get to where I need to be. So oftentimes, if we don't have a great leader, there may not be a vision or a a place that we want to get the team to. And so they're okay doing the same things every day. They're not looking to be better in their position. They're not looking to grow the practice. They're just going to work, doing their J-O-B, and doing what needs to happen for that day without thinking about the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love that. I think um, having that growth mindset is so important, just knowing that you can grow and that your your mind is not static or you're, you know, the, you've learned all that you can learn, right? It's knowing that you can always grow and you can always learn and adapt and be better. It's huge. I know it's huge when we're teaching our children. It's huge when we're coaching teams. So often our dental and veterinarian teams get so stuck on, well, this is the way we've always been doing it. And so this is the way to do it, right? And having that growth mindset says, well, gosh, maybe there's a different way or a better way or a more efficient way. So very, very cool. And then of course, compassionate and problem solvers. Those are great core values um, in all. And of course, in healthcare, being compassionate is important and, and solving problems, being held accountable and holding each other accountable. Talk a little bit about how accountability affects leadership. Yeah. So this, this is going on a lot in some of my practices. I've got some small practices and I've got some large practices and my larger practices have a more challenging time with this accountability portion. And what that means is Oh, in the animal industry, we have so many kind souls that love to help and care for animals. And they are almost afraid to, to have upsets or to say something to somebody because they don't want to hurt their feelings or they're the protectors, the mama bears. And so sometimes forgetting that we can have a check-in. It doesn't need to be a, hey, you're doing this wrong. We're going to write you up. It's, you know, how, how can we support you? Hey, you said you were going to have this done by Tuesday and we're now on Wednesday and it's not done. What, what help do you need? How can I help you get there? So really having our sourcing and accountability is key to having that open communication to be able to say, Hey, I'm trying to be your accountability partner here. What do you need? How can I help? Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned the system that we teach at Fortune Sourcing and Accountability. Brianne, tell us more about what that system is all about. Yeah, so there's, we identify our needs. So if we think about, you know, maybe our different departments in our, our practice, um, some of the different projects that we're putting together, we want to have a source person and we also want to have our support person that can help that person stay accountable. And one of the tools that we use, uh, that I love, and I have one, um, for me personally and professionally is our buy win board. So let's identify what needs to happen. You know, when are we going to have this done? who is our lead person, who's our support person. And ultimately, you know, we can check that chart for me. That's a visual. I love having the visual on that. We can have a quick meeting, you know, during the week, every Friday or every Wednesday to say, Hey, where are my source people? What are we working on? Give me some quick updates. Are we getting closer to where we need to be? Or do we need some more support and help with getting this done? Great. Love that. Yes, it's a key system that we teach at Fortune Management to help our doctors hold their teams accountable. And what I love, you brought up the buy win board, one of our favorite tools, especially when people use it, right? And what's great about the buy win board is it's saying, okay, Susie, you know, administrative team member Susie, by when can you get that done? Not telling Susie when she must get it done, but asking her because she's a grown 
woman and she can say when she thinks she can get something done using her own time management and that type of thing. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And this morning, actually, I had a really great uh, interaction between a couple of team members. They had the buy wind board and the doctor sent an email checking in with their, her source people. And one of the team members wrote back, Hey, is it okay if we move this date? a week later. And the doctor immediately responded and said, absolutely. You were the one that put this, this Mm -hmm. date down and you obviously need more time and you're communicating that to me. So that's great. Yes. Let's change the date. And what I love about that is that team member felt empowered to make their own decision and speak up and advocate for themselves. And so there clearly is a lot of safety there and open and honest communication, which we love a practice only as good as the safety that is created in that in that space or in, in the space of the practice. So a lot of people, Brianne, talk a lot about um, leadership versus what we might call a boss. What are some of the differences between being a leader and being a boss? Yes, I love to talk about this and I love to actually do this activity in my practices to see what our team members, what their definition is. So a leader always listens more than they talk and a boss talks more than they listen. So a leader is going to coach the team where a boss is going to drive the employee on what they need to do a leader is going on goodwill. So just like we talked about that by wind board, Mm -hmm. they're saying, great, you're going to have this done by then. Awesome. Our boss is going to depend on authority. So you need to have that done by then or this. Our leader is going to generate enthusiasm and our boss is going to really inspire fear. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's a situation that happens in the practice and a team member really isn't doing what they, they're supposed to, and there's a huge problem, a leader's going to sit down and say, huh, okay, so why didn't this happen? Was I clear on what I needed them to do? Did they have the tools that they needed to get there? Let's ask them some questions. Let's figure mm-hmm. out why this didn't get done, where a boss is going to come to you and they're going to say, you know, Brianne, you really did this wrong. You were supposed to do this by this date. And that's not okay. We're going to go ahead and write you up today instead of getting more information and finding out, you know, what, what is the root of the problem? And a leader is always going to use the we's. This one's one of my favorites. And I've been doing this for 20 years in my life. When I'm working with a team, it's we, not I, Hey, we need to get this done or we are going to be impacted. If this happens, um, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. Even when I'm with my teams on a daily basis, I say we collectively, I'm their coach. I'm a part of them. And it's not I, because this isn't about me. This is about them and the team. So uh, another great one is a leader will show how it's done and be doing it with you where a boss knows how it's done and tells you to go and do it. Right. Right. And I just love this distinction, you know, distinctions equal power is what we teach at Fortune. And I love this distinction. It's like, who really wants to have a boss? We don't really want to have someone bossing us around. We do want to be led. And it doesn't mean that you can't, yeah, again, hold people accountable or train people or whatever that might, you know, train them to be outstanding. It's then if you are you coming from a place of leadership or are you coming from a place of being their their boss or their manager? Absolutely. And, you know, talking about how that can affect the culture without a leader, 
there's no clear vision. So there's no clear direction for the team on where they should be going and what they should be doing. And the team members are going to start to self-sort themselves. So they're going to start doing what they want um, because stuff needs to get done. They're not thinking about what's most important for the practice and the vision. And, you know, I have an incredible team that I'm working with and the doctor, he loves to use the word creatively avoidance Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because he is so kind. He is one of the nicest humans on the planet. He has a very difficult time being a leader. He has a hard time holding people accountable because he doesn't want them to get upset. And what he hasn't really figured out is that that team wants and thrives and needs his leadership so badly. They don't need to be told what to do or when they, they need the support knowing this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. Hey, you're going in the right direction or you're going in the wrong direction. And when you think about the world in terms of disc profiles, you know, almost 70% of the population are S's and our S's love consistency. They love predictability. They like their routines. They are most comfortable in their comfort zone and they don't really like to stray far from that. So that's where the leader really needs to, to help these, these S's and giving them that guidance and that power to say, Oh, I can do this, or I can be responsible for this. As long as we're staying within our vision and our agreements and we're communicating respectfully. Yes. What I love about your example of your kind, kind dentist is I think a lot of people have in their mind that in order to be a, a leader, you have to be very direct and you have to be very forceful and, and, you know, be the loudest person in the room. And that's absolutely not the case. Whatever your personality and your behavior style is, you absolutely can grow your leadership skills, right? So it's just going to look a little different. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what are some other great traits of, of a leader when you think of a you know, great leader. What are some other traits that you like to coach your clients on? Yeah. So one of my favorites is actually going back to Michael Jordan. He has leadership, uh, six lessons that he likes to talk about, about leadership. And as we all know, Michael Jordan was an incredible leader. Uh, the first one is adjusting to adversity. So, you know, when something's happening in our practice, are we able to recognize that number one, And are we willing to make adjustments to overcome whatever adversity is coming to us? How can we pivot and know, okay, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't the direction I was going. I need to go in a different direction, which is still going to get me closer to my, my values. It's just a different direction than I originally had. Adversity and pivoting can be something that is really, really challenging for team members. Um, And with that, number two is working together. So you can only do so much if you're by yourself. If you are with that team, when you can help empower your team and say, hey, you can do this. I don't need to do this. I know that this is something I'm really good at. Let's give you an opportunity to learn more and to get good at this because the only way that we get better is by practicing. So let's work together and, and make this a win for all of us. Number three that he talks about is believing in yourself. So 
it's okay to, to lack confidence and to know that sometimes this is going to be really challenging to accomplish your goal. If you don't believe in yourself, it is going to be so difficult for you to lead others. And I have a great example that we, we just saw happen with my three-year-old nephew two weeks ago. He had finally learned his balance on his Strider bike. I don't know if you know what that is. It's, oh, sure. uh, okay, yeah. it's that little bike without pedals. And mm-hmm. what the Strider bike does is it teaches them to learn their balance, to find that center of gravity. And I'm watching him and I already had bought him a bike that was bigger, that had pedals and it actually had training wheels on it. And I said, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go get that bike out. I got the bike out. I took Mm -hmm. the training wheels off. I was like, my nephew does not need training wheels. I know he can pedal this bike. So we go out to the driveway and he was kind of struggling and it's not his little Captain America red bike. It's pink and orange. Cause that was what auntie found. And he's, he's trying to go and he, he's, he's getting really frustrated. So he stops and he gets off. And I, I asked him, I said, Presley, what do you want to do? Do you want to ride this bike and learn how to pedal like your big brother? And he says, yes. And he takes a big deep breath and he says, I can do this. He gets on that bike, Kim, and he started pedaling. And that was the power of him believing in himself. He had never done this before. It's kind of scary. <laughs> and he chose to believe in himself and to make it happen. And it was like, holy cow, if I could bottle this up and sell this and share You'd this. You'd be a millionaire, right? I, know. I would be. What I love about that story, Brianne, is that, you know, as little kids, we we don't think anything. We have no limiting beliefs. We, you know, use the power of of self-motivating questions. We, you know, we get curious and all these amazing traits when we're little kids. And then of course we grow up and we lose a lot of them and we, we, we put labels on our experiences that make it so it's not okay to be curious or believe in ourselves. So I love that. And yes, all, both my kids had strider bikes and they did not use training wheels and we skip right over the training. wheels. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that was pivotal. Exactly. It's such a great metaphor though, because what you're talking about is learning the basics of balancing and then bringing it into riding a regular bicycle. It's a great question. It's like, what other skills can we learn now that will help us in in a myriad of different other areas in our life and in our business? Right. Yeah. And so with, so that's number three, believing in yourself. And then that brings me to number four, which is doing your best. So, you know, in that situation, my nephew was like, okay, I'm either going to have to do this or I'm not, you know, he, he could have quit. He could have, he's three, he could have had a temper tantrum and he decided to keep doing that. So, you know, when you're, you're putting in action and you're being a leader, you need to do your best. If you're, going back to your automatics and you're doing what you've always done instead of putting in a little extra work or communicating maybe with some team members that you aren't able to communicate with as easily, you have to do your best and try your best. And then that brings you to number five, which is embracing your ownership mentality. So if this was your business, what would you be doing? you know, your, your team is looking at you to be the example. So even if you aren't the owner, you know, we at fortune and veterinary mastery, of course, have our bonus system, which is almost profit sharing is what we like to say. So that the team that's their, their program, they're in charge of that. They're in charge of monitoring that. And so they now have that ownership mentality because they can see with a certain amount of effort 
and putting in some systems and going towards that, what's possible versus, you know, going back to our automatics and doing what we've always done. So, you know, full ownership of that process and outcome. And then the last one is learning from your mistakes. So if we're doing something and it's not going the way that we want, what can we learn from that? What, what do we know? You know, I know I've had moments where I'm like, well, that will never happen again. (laughs) I just did something and that was not right. And I know I will never do that the same way again. Um, Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So again, that means believing in yourself, working with others, doing your best, really learning from those mistakes instead of getting upset. Um, Getting upset isn't going to do anything for you. Sure. Go through your emotions. Absolutely. Feel your feels. And then let's reflect. What, what did we learn from this? Because not everything is going to go as we hope. That's right. Well, really what I'm hearing you say, and so many, you know, these Michael Jordan pieces of wisdom and, and other areas is that really leadership is a, it's an inside job, just like happiness, right? It's a, it's a, it's a type of process that we, you know, need to take a look at ourselves and how, who are we being in the moment with our team? Um, so I love that. Um, Brienne, you also mentioned, I know you like to talk about the leadership model. Um, and I know it's something we teach at fortune for years. Tell us a little bit about the leadership model and how this relates to doctors who own their own practices. Yes. I love our leadership model. And when you look at the, the visual, you can really see what we're talking about. So, when we have our team and and we're bringing on a new team member, we're going to have what's called our enthusiastic beginner. So this enthusiastic beginner is so excited. They are going to need high direction, meaning, you know, these are what the tasks that need to get done through the day. This is what this looks like. They're not going to need a lot of support because they are so eager to learn and be confident. And they are going to just need to know, you know, a little more information as far as the direction that they're going in, because you have their high commitment. So the next stage after we get them, you know, kind of going, they're going to go into the disillusioned learner. So this is where they are going to need to be coached. So they're all of a sudden thinking that maybe they know more than they do and they're going with it, which is great. They don't have the experience. So we have to be able to help coach them because they're going to start to get frustrated or discouraged and overwhelmed. And then from, so from there, they need high direction and high support. Great. And then we're going to go to our reluctant contributor. So this person, they need to be supported. This individual is experienced, but they're lacking the confidence. So they kind of just went from the disillusioned learner to thinking that they, they knew all the things to now they're moving into that reluctant contributor where they they've lost that enthusiasm as far as, you know, being new and knowing what they want to do and where they want to go. So they know, they know what they need to do. They just need that support and that encouragement to kind of help them get that enthusiasm back. And then we go into our peak performer. So this person is the person that needs to delegate. So now they've mastered 
everything that they're doing. They are consistently producing quality work. They are self-assured. They are self-reliant. They are inspiring to others. So they're the ones that they need low direction, low support. They can start handing stuff off to other people. So, um, you know, again, going back to that leader, the leader always inspires trusts. So they have to start with their own credibility to even be able to get to this peak performer, because if they don't have accountability, if they aren't doing what they're saying, you know, what's that saying? Um, do as I say, not as I do, or. Yep. Do as I say, not as I do. Sure. There we go. So, um, the leader always has to be leading by example and then making sure that that vision, we know exactly what that vision is and then executing our strategy. So following through all the way and then going into the coaching potential, which is that, that peak performer where you can develop those leadership potential in others, uh, with our constant feedback. Right. So the idea here, which by the way, we do need to give Ken Blanchard the credit from the one minute manager years ago, he wrote this and, and we've been uh, teaching that for years. So they, the, the team member essentially listeners goes from being an enthusiastic beginner and they're going to go through all of these stages. Hopefully, we like to get them to peak performer as soon as we can. However, human beings as they are, they need to go through the disillusioned learner stage and then the reluctant contributor stage and then moving them into peak performance. So the idea, as Brianne, you laid out, is where they need high direction or low direction or high support or low support to move them into the next stage. Yes. It's very powerful conversation. And many times people stay in reluctant contributor for like decades, years sometimes, right? Yeah. Move into peak performer. So, um, and then, and then sometimes too, what I know about this amazing model is that you'll have somebody take on a new position and they're going to go back a few stages and then they're going to go back to peak performer. Um, because if they have a new challenge or a new position or a new, something very, very brand new, they're going to have to sort of go back to being an enthusiastic beginner and go through the stages again. Absolutely. And what's great about this model is that when I give this to my team members, they will immediately identify where their team members are that are struggling. And that's what's so great about this is when they see this, they're like, oh, all the pieces kind of come together. And so they realize who needs what in far as far as direction and support. So it's pretty cool to bring into practices and see it, you know, implement it and, and see how they, they give the support that their team members are actually needing and looking for. Yes, absolutely. And also checking in with people, you know, one of the most powerful aspects of being a great leader is being a great coach, which is essentially what we're talking about this whole conversation and being a great coach when you are being a great coach, you are asking powerful questions and getting massively curious. So checking in with your team member and figuring out, hey, on this model, where do you think that you are and what do you need from me to go to the peak performer stage? That's a very powerful conversation. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Well, Brianne, it's been so amazing connecting with you. I always like to ask all of our guests on the Practice Mastery podcast if there is a book or a podcast or a something, anything out there that you've consumed recently that you're really excited about, share with our listeners. Is there a book that you've read recently that you just love? 
Yes, I'm just finishing uh, Harvard Business Review on leadership. So I travel a lot as a coach and I'm in airports and they have the Harvard Business Review's top 10 must reads and their leadership book is great. There's a bunch of excerpts from multiple brilliant minds out there and they have some pretty cool charts and ways to implement some of these changes as far as the leadership needs, uh, again, whether it's personally or professionally. So that one's been really fun and is on my mind right now. Awesome. Awesome. And you found that in an airport, didn't you? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Brianne, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom. I greatly appreciate it. And I know our listeners do as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim, for taking the time to talk to me today. Awesome. Have an amazing week. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.